The ACB Braille Forum, Volume 59, November 2020, Number 5. Published by the American Council of the Blind. Read by Nancy Gahagan in the recording studio of the Perkins Library. Be a part of ACB. The American Council of the Blind, trademark, is a membership organization made up of more than 70 state and special interest affiliates. To join, contact the National Office at 1-800-424-8666. Contribute to our work. Those much-needed contributions, which are tax-deductible, can be sent to Attention Treasurer, ACB, 6200 Shingle Creek Parkway, Suite 155, Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, 55430. If you wish to remember a relative or friend, the National Office has printed cards available for this purpose. Consider including a gift to ACB in your last will and testament. If your wishes are complex, call the National Office. To make a contribution to ACB by the Combined Federal Campaign, use this number, 11155. Check in with ACB. For the latest in legislative and governmental news, call the Washington Connection 24-7 at 1-800-424-8666 or read it online. Listen to ACB reports by downloading the MP3 file from www.acb.org or call 518-906-1820 and choose option 8. Tune in to ACB Radio at www.acbradio.org or by calling 518-906-1820. Learn more about us at www.acb.org. Follow us on Twitter at at sign ACB National or like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash A-M-E-R-I-C-A-N-C-O-U-N-C-I-L O-F T-H-E-B-L-I-N-D-O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L Copyright 2020, American Council of the Blind Eric Bridges, Executive Director, Sharon Lovering, Editor 1703 North Beauregard Street, Suite 420, Alexandria, Virginia, 22311 Table of Contents In Memoriam Charles H. Charlie Crawford, August 28, 1947 to September 11, 2020. Readers' Remembrances of Charlie Crawford. President's Message. Core Values are the Foundation of Our Organization. By Dan Spoon. Plans for 2020 ACB Convention Underway. By Janet Dickelman. Revision to DKM First-Timers Guidelines. By Kenneth Semyon Sr. MMS, Past, Present, and Future, by Jean Mann. How to Include Everyone in Your Affiliate, compiled by Artis Bazin. Honesty, Integrity, and Respect, A Question of Quality, by Arturo Espinoza. Lies Are Always Bad? That's Not True, by Larry P. Johnson. Affiliate News. Summary of 2020 Resolutions. Notice of Proposed Settlement of Class Action and Fairness Hearing Here and There, edited by Cynthia G. Hawkins Are you moving? Do you want to change your subscription? 
contact Sharon Lovering in the ACB National Office, 1-800-424-8666, or via email, s-l-o-v-e-r-i-n-g at acb.org. Give her the information and she'll make the changes for you. Keep up with the most important ACB news and announcements without any other chatter. Subscribe to the ACB Announce List Serve. Send a blank email to announce subscribe at acblists.org or visit www.acblists.org slash mailman slash listinfo slash announce and type your email address and name where indicated. The ACB Radio Cafe features the work of blind artists at www.acbradio.org cafe. There are now two versions of ACB Radio Mainstream, Mainstream East, All Times Eastern, and Mainstream West, All Times Pacific. Check it out at www.acbradio.org slash m-a-i-n-s-t-r-e-a-m In Memoriam Charles H. Charlie Crawford August 28, 1947 to September 11, 2020 Charlie was born on August 28, 1947 along with his fraternal twin brother, Manuel Crawford to Julia Gonzalez and Robert Crawford in Queens, New York. After spending his childhood in New Hampshire, Charlie's parents relocated the family to Puerto Rico, where he graduated from St. Rose High School and attended Inter-American University in San Germán. Although Charlie became blind when his retinas detached while in college, his blindness did not stop him from enjoying a full life. He became fluent in Spanish and developed Braille literacy. He often credited the seeing eye for giving him his life back when he received Patsy, his first seeing eye dog. In 1971, Charlie founded and became the first president of the Blind Leadership Club, which later became known as Bay State Council of the Blind, an affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. After directing the Client Assistance Program at the Massachusetts Commission for the Blind, then-Governor Michael Dukakis appointed Charlie in 1984 to the position of Massachusetts Commissioner for the Blind, which he held until 1998 when he left Boston to become Executive Director of the American Council of the Blind in Washington, D.C. He later served briefly as Director of Blindness Rehabilitation at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs but he retired after suffering a ruptured cerebral aneurysm in 2004. Once recovered, Charlie spent the next 16 years volunteering tirelessly in numerous organizations at the local, state, and national levels. An innovator, Charlie created numerous opportunities for people with blindness or disabilities to enjoy fulfilling lives within their families and communities. In Massachusetts, he partnered with the Boston Public Schools to establish an after-school recreation program for blind students who welcomed friends without disabilities. Before the days of the Internet, he created an accessible computer bulletin board service to encourage blind students and adults to develop computer skills by playing games. He created several computer programs, including the Talking Checkbook, and enjoyed collaborating with others to make improvements. 
he gave all programs to others at no charge. Charlie also contributed to numerous initiatives benefiting those with and without disabilities. He was an ardent advocate for accessible communication technology, accessible voting, pedestrian safety, video description, and accessible transportation. He testified before Congress in support of Medicare coverage of medical treatment for macular degeneration to prevent blindness. In a collaboration with cross-disability and patient family groups, he helped draft and testified to the Maryland State House in support of the Maryland Patients' Information Bill of Rights, which Governor Larry Hogan signed into law. Charlie served on numerous boards, including the Council of State Agencies for Vocational Rehabilitation, National Council of State Agencies for the Blind, Guide Dog Users Incorporated, the Equal Rights Center, the Maryland Rehabilitation Council, the Montgomery County Commission for People with Disabilities, and advisory committees for WMATA. Charlie received many awards, including the Morris Frank Award from the Seeing Eye and the George Card Award from ACB. A longtime fan of the Boston Red Sox, Charlie also loved music, hamburgers, discussing current events, and sharing Alexa jokes. Charlie is survived by Susan Crawford, his beloved wife of 34 years, stepson Steve Lahotsky, daughter-in-law Caitlin Talmadge, grandchildren Jack and Caroline, brothers and sisters-in-law, cousins and nieces and nephews. He has friends near and far. A memorial service was live-streamed on September 26th. In lieu of flowers, the family asks that donations in his honor be made to the Seeing Eye, P.O. Box 375, Morristown, New Jersey, 07963-0375, or to Grace Episcopal Church, 1607 Grace Church Road, Silver Spring, Maryland, 20910. To plant a beautiful memorial tree in memory of Charlie, visit tinyurl.com slash y numerals 38 p-a-q-y-v Caption Former ACB Executive Director Charlie Crawford states his opinion on an issue during the 2013 convention in Columbus, Ohio. He stands behind one of the aisle microphones sporting a dark green polo shirt with dark blue stripes. Readers' Remembrances of Charlie Crawford We are writing to share the very sad news that our dearest friend, Charlie Crawford, passed away at 4.45 this morning, 9-11. Charlie was at home with his wife, Susan, and his seeing-eye dog, Raisin, and his death followed a short illness. We've lost a true advocate and friend, and this is such a sad day for the blindness community. Forty-nine years ago, with the guidance of Durward McDaniel, Charlie was the founder and first president of ACB's Massachusetts affiliate, the Blind Leadership Club, which later became known as Bay State Council of the Blind. After directing the Client Assistance Program at the Massachusetts Commission for the Blind, Charlie was appointed commissioner in 1984, a position he held until 1998 when he left Boston to become executive director of ACB. We find it particularly poignant that Charlie should pass away on the anniversary of 9-11. That terrible morning in 2001, his primary concern was that all the national office staff get home safely from downtown Washington, D.C. So typical of Charlie. 
he made sure that each one of us was headed safely toward home and family before he and his then-seeing-eye dog Ruthie found their way onto the metro. Charlie spent his entire adult life advocating for people with disabilities and the human and civil rights of all people. His caring nature has been a reminder to all of us who called him friend. Penny Reader, Montgomery Village, Maryland, and Terry and Frank Pacheco, Wheaton, Maryland. This is indeed sad news. As Penny correctly stated, our nation's blindness community has lost a true friend and advocate. While Charlie and I were on quite opposite sides politically, we were still able to get together and advocate on things which affected people who are blind. That's how it should be, as blindness and disability issues should be nonpartisan. During his time serving as executive director of ACB, Charlie did work with us in Illinois. As some of you may remember, in the late 1990s, mainly through the tenacity of the late Dave Postal, we were advocating for creation of a commission for the blind in Illinois. On an early March snowy day that year, Charlie, M.J. Schmidt, Dave, Laura Booker, our then-office manager, and I went to testify before an Illinois Senate committee for legislation, which, if it had been passed, would have established the commission. This was, unfortunately, before the time that ICB and NFBI began working together on things, and NFBI was opposed to our commission bill. The testimony Charlie gave in favor of our legislation was impassioned and strong. I remember how NFBI, under their leadership at the time, testified against our bill, and how angry that made Charlie. Paul Edwards was ACB president at the time, and I remember MJ and I thinking some phone lines between Maryland and Florida would be burning when Charlie got home. By the way, that was also the day when MJ's guide dog was going around visiting all the senators. Rest in peace, Charlie. Ray Campbell, Glen Ellen, Illinois. This is very sad news. Charlie dedicated his life to the betterment of our blind and visually impaired community. Several times over the past few years, Charlie has sent me very poignant emails expressing passionate opinions on transportation, audio description, or rehab advocacy issues. He was always so thoughtful and had the voice of someone willing to educate and persuade. Also, Charlie always had time to celebrate our victories and have a good time with a party or get-together. Charlie, our organization will miss you. Thank you for being such an advocate for all of us. Dan Spoon, Orlando, Florida. On hearing of Charlie's passing today, I have been so sad and my heart is so heavy. ACB of Maryland has lost a friend, advocate, and champion. I remember a talk I gave to ACB of Ohio many years ago when I spoke about Charlie and referred to him as the heart and soul of ACB. I believed it at that time and still do. He was an advocate for us all and helped to create a vision for our organization where we felt anything was possible. John F. Kennedy was one of his heroes, and Charlie often quoted Kennedy. When asked why he advocated for so many, he quoted Kennedy by saying that he was able to have the full use of his powers along lines of excellence. That was our Charlie. Thank you, Charlie, for giving so much to so many. You will be greatly missed. Patrick Sheehan, Silver Spring, Maryland. I was so touched by last evening's Tuesday Topics tribute to our friend and leader, and in my heart, kind warrior, Charlie Crawford. It was filled with beautiful remembrances of Charlie from many of those who knew him best. 
we learned of the Boston years of youth and adventure and beginnings of the meaningful advocacy work of some of the key movers and policy creators in this organization. Next, we were reminded through phenomenal reminiscences of the ACB years when Charlie served as the organization's executive director by those who worked beside him to move ACB toward more collaborative and inclusive public advocacy that would show this country who we are and what we stand for. And we also learned of the disappointment and sorrow. During this gathering, we were reminded of Charlie's courage and determination while recovering from a brain aneurysm and his years of service after that, almost until the day of his passing. I urge you to give this week's edition of Tuesday Topics a listen when it becomes available. I met Charlie on the old Seeing Eye Bulletin Board while he was still the Commissioner of Rehabilitation in the state of Massachusetts. Charlie was simply one of us, funny, insightful, and above all, kind. Looking back on the work that I was privileged to be involved in during and after Charlie's time as Executive Director, these truths live in my mind and heart, and I have tried to follow them in all that I do. Charlie was passionate about what he believed in and went to the wall for it when he felt that it was required of him. Charlie saw the good and the potential in everyone, even those who did not agree with him on every stand that he took. He held out a hand of understanding, friendship, and a safe path of consensus building. Charlie believed in that table where people come together to listen, to learn, and to speak, speaking less and listening and learning more. Charlie was all about building bridges to the beautiful place of true inclusion and recognition of diversity and all that makes us unique human beings, while reminding us of all that binds us together, its significance and what our commonality must move us to do in our shared goals of inclusion and equality of opportunity for all who choose to step forward and take it, with assistance and guidance always available to them from those who have gone before. Charlie was not about turf claiming. He was about getting the work done and including all of those who wanted to put their shoulders to that proverbial grindstone. I remember one day when Charlie happily told me that he was going to update the pedestrian safety handbook. I had put together the first edition by finding meaningful articles and papers and getting permission from their authors to include them in the document. As fate would have it, I had planned to ask Charlie if I could update the piece. When Charlie said that he was going to do it, the better part of me was happy, knowing that he would do a fantastic job with it. I expressed my gratitude to him for taking this on, and my certainty that he would bring the project to a new level of excellence. I truly meant that from my heart. But Charlie must have caught just that little note of disappointment in my voice. Without a word, he put a disc into my hand and said in the most kind and gentle way, Are you happy? I joyously said that I was. And actually, what happened was that I sought Charlie's opinions and advice quite often, so in reality, he did update the handbook while including me in the process. Charlie knew how to be a cheerleader, how to affirm a person, and let's face it, we all need that once in a while. Because of the time in history that I was president of GDUI, there was some significant civil rights work that defined that time. As we strove to include other stakeholders in the work while being sure to protect the civil rights of public access for guide dog users, Charlie was in the forefront of this work, providing advice and guidance and cheering us on into the end zone. The aspect of Charlie's character that is most memorable to me is the way that he took on and triumphed over adversity in his career and in his health. His determination to live a meaningful life moved him to work and to strive when many would have understood 
had he decided to retire. Even though it wasn't as easy as it had been, Charlie gave himself to us and to our common causes with the same intensity and best self that had defined the entirety of his work in the cause. With his dear wife Sue at his side, who always lent a hand in such a quiet, helpful, and loving way, and his little raisin in the sun guiding him on the left, Charlie continued to march with us in his role of kind warrior. Rest well, friend and kind warrior. Debbie Grubb, Bradenton, Florida. All I can say is, oh my God. I first met Charlie in the late 70s when I was attending Harvard Law School. I remember spending more than a few Saturday evenings with him and his then-wife Kathy in Newton, which, believe me, was some badly needed rest and recreation. He and Kathy were actually the ones who introduced me to ACB when they invited me to the 1978 convention of the Bay State Council. John McCann, Tucson, Arizona. The passing of Charlie Crawford is also a piece of ACB history. I got to know Charlie and accompanied him during the summer of 2000 when I was one of two students interning with the national office. I attended several meetings on Capitol Hill. Prior to those visits, Capitol Hill was a daunting place. Charlie's ease with talking with high-ranking officials while negotiating from meeting to meeting definitely had a lasting impression on me. Another meeting I attended with Charlie and office staff was a reception at the FCC where we were celebrating a small victory for audio description to be a part of primetime network TV. Charlie also had great post-work skills, hosting barbecues at his home and making this California kid welcome and involved. It was that summer that I truly became immersed with ACB, and I can't thank Charlie, Sue, and the national folks at the time for allowing me the opportunity to work among respected folks. That summer was one of the busiest, most fun and educational eight weeks of my life. Charlie, you leave a great legacy and will be missed deeply. Richard Ruetta, Sacramento, California. Charlie will be deeply missed. We were all honored to have known him. What I liked about Charlie is he did things because they needed to get done. It was the right thing to do. He never did something for the name recognition. I remember having a lengthy conversation with Charlie one day while he worked for ACB. At the end of the conversation, I thanked him for spending so much time with me, a young person who had so much to learn about policy, legislation, and ACB. He told me that he considered me a friend because he could see I wanted to learn. And learn I have. Let's keep the work of Charlie alive and keep on educating ourselves on what needs to be done for the betterment of all blind people. Lori Scharf, Waynesboro, Virginia. I remember in either 2001 or 2002 when Charlie attended the Nebraska State Convention held that year in Lincoln. Knowing his passion for advocacy and what I rightly or wrongly perceived as his disdain for the Federation, I told him he might want to consider toning down his remarks slightly because we were having a number of Federation folks in the audience from our newly created Commission for the Blind in 2001. It turned out that added fuel to the fire. And not only did he not tone down his remarks, but instead ramped them up. Needless to say, some of the Federation folks were not pleased. But as he saw it, they needed to hear the truth from an unbiased source. Jim Yurok, Omaha, Nebraska. President's Message Core Values are the Foundation of Our Organization by Dan Spoon ACB's core values are the foundation of our organization. 
The ACB Board of Directors adopted the ACB core values at our 2019 pre-convention board meeting. Kim Charlson, ACB president, assembled a team to create a set of organizational core values to establish the guiding belief system for the American Council of the Blind. These values are in the DNA of our ACB family, but putting them down in a formal document and codifying them through an approval process of the Board of Directors solidified a moral imperative to guide our organization into the future. These core values are now prominently displayed on our acb.org website. They are referenced at most official ACB functions. They were the foundational elements for the Code of Conduct, and they are the first level of evaluation when hiring new ACB staff or contractors. We compliment the Board of Publications, BOP, for highlighting our core values in this issue of the Forum and in next month's eForum. We encourage all ACB members and friends to take a few minutes and review the five core values defined below. There is not a week that goes by that I have not embraced these values to guide our leadership decisions. The board made the decision to hold a virtual convention earlier this year based on these values. They were incorporated in the ACB Statement of Solidarity published after the murder of George Floyd. ACB is a wonderful work in progress. Our organization is not perfect. We all need to listen, learn, and grow as ACB members. Let's make sure that these five ACB core values are always our moral compass on our journey to improve the lives of our blind and visually impaired community. Integrity and Honesty Our word is our bond, serving as a foundational element demonstrating our strong democratic principles and values. Respect We treat others as we expect to be treated. We welcome each individual's unique talents and honor diverse work and lifestyles. Collaboration We believe success comes from working together to create solutions that advance the organization's mission through partnerships and teamwork. Flexibility We adapt to ever-changing circumstances and situations. We are receptive to multiple points of view and ideas. Initiative We can and do make a difference in all of our efforts. We embrace continuous learning, hard work, personal accountability, motivation, and individual responsibility. Plans for 2021 ACB Convention Underway Just a note to say that plans for the 2021 American Council of the Blind Conference and Convention are underway. Convention dates are Friday, July 23rd through Friday, July 30th. Stay tuned, there will be much more information in the December ACBE Forum. Staying in touch. As usual, the conference and convention announce list will be filled with information. To subscribe to the list, send a blank email to acbconventionsubscribe at acblists.org. If you received updates for the 2020 convention, you do not need to subscribe to the list. Convention Contacts Tony Stevens, ACB's Director of Development, will now be handling sponsorship and advertising. Marjorie Beeman will still be working on accessibility at the hotel and coordinating airport volunteers. 2021 Exhibit Information Michael Smitherman, 601-331-7740 a-M-D-U-O at B-E-L-L-S-O-U-T-H dot net. 2021 Advertising and Sponsorships, 
Tony Stevens, 202-559-2045, A-S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S at A-C-B For any other convention-related questions, please contact Janet Dickelman, Convention Chair, 651-428-5059, or via email, J-A-N-E-T dot D-I-C-K-E-L-M-A-N at gmail.com. Janet Dickelman. Revision to DKM First Timers Guidelines. The DKM Committee is happy to report that members who attended the virtual ACB conference and convention this year and had not previously attended an in-person convention will be given the privilege to apply to become a recipient of the 2021 DKM First Timers Award. During the August 27 Board of Directors meeting, it was determined that the DKM First Timers program guidelines should be revised to reflect the following DKM Committee recommendation. Guideline 3. Qualifying applicants shall meet each of the following. Age 18 or older, blind or visually impaired, member in good standing of ACB, and never attended a previous in-person ACB National Conference and Convention. We encourage all eligible members to be prepared to apply when the 2021 application and selection process is published in the January issue of the forum. Kenneth Semyon Sr., Chair, Derwood K. McDaniel Fund Committee. MMS, Past, Present, and Future, by Jean Mann. First of all, thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you who participated in our monthly monetary support, MMS program, at the 2020 ACB Virtual Conference and Convention, either by signing up for the first time or increasing your monthly contributions. When the convention started, we had 256 donors. By the end of it, we were up to 325. At the time of this writing, we're at 332, so we greatly exceeded our goal of 321. We told you that after the convention, somebody would win an iPhone 11 XR, and on the afternoon of Friday, September 11, the staff in the Minneapolis office drew the name of the lucky winner, and she is Pam Shaw. Pam is a longtime member of the ACB from Pennsylvania, and we congratulate her. We have some more exciting news for you. As many of you know, the Leadership Conference, which is usually held in Washington, D.C., will be virtual this year. Since you won't have to leave your homes and won't have travel and hotel expenses, it will give many more of you the opportunity to zoom in and attend these meetings. So we've decided that we're going to make ourselves available again for you to call or email us and join MMS or increase your donations during that weekend. But you don't have to wait until then. Everybody who signs up for the first time and pledges a minimum of $10 a month or increases their monthly contributions by at least $5 between the end of the 2020 convention and the end of the 2021 Leadership Conference will be eligible to win a 32-inch smart TV. And you'll still be eligible to win that big prize we'll be providing after the 2021 convention. We're not sure what that will be yet, but you know we'll come up with something. By now, most of you know how the MMS program works. A certain amount of money that you designate, a minimum of $10, is charged to your credit card or withdrawn from your checking account on a monthly basis. Up to 50% of that money can be given to an affiliate of your choice, or all of it can go to ACB. And here's how you can sign up or increase the amount you're already giving. Visit ACB's website, acb.org, tab to the Donate Now button, and then tab to the MMS program. 
or call the ACB office in Minneapolis at 612-332-3242. In the meantime, if you have questions, we'll be glad to answer them. Leave a message at askacbmms at gmail.com or call 202-743-0755 and somebody from the team will get back to you. Once again, thanks to all of you who are supporting ACB through the MMS program. We hope we'll hear from many more of you soon. How to Include Everyone in Your Affiliate, compiled by Artis Bazin. In our focus call on how to include everyone in your affiliate, speakers enlightened us on what actions would help members feel included and willing to be more involved. Min Ha from ACB Students admitted younger members are often persuaded to let more seasoned members handle what is necessary. As younger members have less experience, they may not volunteer. They would feel more comfortable if older members mentor and or assist them when filling a new role. Jeff Tom from the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss said older members are the largest segment of newly blind individuals and suggested offering topics of interest for newly blind individuals and inviting people in the community. When they become hard of hearing, it might hamper their involvement. Seniors can become mentors for younger members. Linda Perel from ACB Women explained how some women are less confident than men. Although traditional expectations have evolved over time, women may still find it challenging to be assertive in group situations. She also thought many women feel comfortable collaborating as a team. Gabriel Lopez Cafati from Blind Pride International shared how important inclusive language is. BPI invites anyone to attend any of their meetings and events. They have taken advantage of the community calls to publicize their calls and events. Stephen Salas and Greg Lindbergh from Next Generation said they encourage anyone to attend their events, whether they are in the younger age group or if they are older and wish to network. They invite prospective members to share their interests and skills in their application. They also ask how applicants might like to be involved. All opportunities are a way to get to know new attendees. Publicizing your affiliate events and calls on the various ACB email lists will reach more members not currently involved to attend your functions. The next ACB membership focus call will show members how to expand membership to minority communities. The following call in January will give affiliates information about starting chapters. Remember to listen to membership focus call recordings if you didn't get the opportunity to listen on the day of the call. All are on acbradio.org and on podcasts. Honesty, Integrity, and Respect A Question of Quality by Arturo Espinoza The idealist in me has always believed that most people are generally honest, have some degree of integrity, and tend to know what respect is about. But I've also learned, to my chagrin, that many of us, including myself, have learned much about ourselves, our motives, and behaviors by making mistakes. And various dysfunctions and other psychological disorders notwithstanding, the hope here is that if we paid attention to the nature of those mistakes, we wouldn't make them again, right? Unfortunately, life is never that simple. Because of this universal and enigmatic conundrum known as the human factor, we often tend to repeat the same mistakes. So how do all of these core values, these qualities, actually work? Throughout my own life, I've met many people that have reflected those qualities to one degree or another. But what is a quality? 
After all, it's not possible to tackle dealing with concepts like honesty, integrity, and respect without touching on this word as a whole. For instance, one online dictionary defined the word quality as 1. The standard of something as measured against other things of a similar kind. The degree of excellence of something. 2. A distinctive attribute or characteristic possessed by someone or something. On a more personal level, I can say that I've honestly met people who have been honest with me or shown me honesty and that they were willing to be trustworthy, and I knew they weren't going to lie about important matters. Going along with this example, various dictionaries define the word honesty as the quality or fact of being honest, uprightness, and the quality of being truthful. I've also met people with integrity, which is defined as 1. The quality of being honest and having strong moral principles and as being morally upright. 2. The state of being whole and undivided. 3. The condition of being unified, unimpaired, or sound in construction. Still, a more general definition of integrity included internal consistency or lack of corruption in electronic data with the attributes of internal consistency and lack of corruption as sticking out like a sore thumb. On the altruistic, and some might even say spiritual level, people with integrity often do what they need to do because it's the right thing to do, even if a situation is unpleasant or life-threatening. Obviously, then, we can see that the idea of honesty and integrity cannot be seen as being real without accepting that those terms are qualities that are part and parcel of the human landscape. So where does the quality of respect fit? And as challenged by the theme questions driving this piece— what is respect? Can respect exist in the absence of honesty and integrity? How is respect earned? Again, as defined by various dictionaries, the meaning of respect is shown as 1. A feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities, qualities, or achievements. The state of being admired in such a way. Due regard for the feelings, wishes, rights, or traditions of others. Respects a person's polite greetings, and, two, a particular aspect, point, or detail. Although people are still arguing about this, I subscribe to the idea that values are both learned by example and that as a sentient race, we also have an innate or spiritual component that helps to keep most of us attuned to these qualities. In the end, I would say without any doubt that in most cases, the human race shares these core values to one degree or another, depending on their background and life experiences. I'm also of the conviction that respect cannot exist in the absence of honesty and integrity because, like those vital qualities, respect is also an integral part of the human landscape. And like those qualities, respect is earned by example. That is, by the moral and ethical reactions and actions as demonstrated by our fellow citizenry and by those friends and families whom we pray for, love, care for, and admire. When all is said and done, I humbly agree with country singer Luke Bryan's positive lyric statement, I believe most people are good. Lies are always bad? That's not true. By Larry P. Johnson. Reprinted from the San Antonio Express News, September 26, 2020. Are white lies okay to spare someone's feelings? Do we expect politicians to lie to us? When does exaggerating the truth become untruthful? Did George Washington really never tell a lie? Deception refers to the act, big or small, cruel or kind, of causing someone to believe something untrue. 
Even the most honest people practice deception, with various studies showing that the average person lies several times a day, according to a report in Psychology Today. The formal study of deception was once the domain of ethicists and theologians, but more recently psychologists are turning their attention to why people lie and the conditions that make them more likely to do so. Why do we lie? Some people lie for the sheer thrill of getting away with it, testing their unsuspected power, psychologist Paul Ekman says. Some people do this all the time, enjoying the power they obtain in controlling the information available to others. Avoiding embarrassment or punishment is another motive for lying. The child who claims the wet seat resulted from spilling a glass of water and not from wetting his pants is one example of lying, Ekman says. Also, people will lie to get out of an awkward social situation. They will claim, I can't get a babysitter, to avoid an evening with boring friends. Then there are the deceptions motivated by politeness. Thanks so much for the lovely party, or that color looks good on you. But are these lies? Ekman considers these not to be lies any more than bluffing in poker or acting in a play are lying. In all of these instances, we do not expect to be told the truth. And because we know this, that lying is okay, Ekman says. So, is it okay for our elected officials to lie to us? No one likes being deceived, and when public figures are caught in a lie, it can result in a huge loss of trust. When people rationalize and lie in small ways, it affects their whole identity, because if they are going to do bad things, they need to lie to themselves and to others to get there, says best-selling author and neuroscientist Sam Harris. On the other hand, Harris says, we can greatly simplify our lives and improve society overall by telling the truth in situations where others often lie. When someone acts upon their impulse to be honest, whether in a compliment or a confession, good things happen. But while many people pride themselves on their scrupulous honesty and try to distance themselves from individuals who are more comfortable with falsehoods, the truth is that everyone lies. Some experts suggest that a certain amount of deception is necessary to maintain a healthy, functioning society. Of course, deception is not always toward others. There are lies people tell themselves, ranging from those to prop up their self-esteem to serious delusions beyond their control. While lying to oneself is generally thought to be harmful, certain kinds of self-deceptions can have a positive effect on overall well-being. Like believing one can accomplish a difficult goal, even if evidence appears to be to the contrary. So maybe I can, after all, one day, still become a movie star? And that's how I see it. Affiliate News Ohio Virtual Convention ACB of Ohio will hold its first virtual conference and convention on November 21. The morning session will begin with a memorial service for members who have passed away this year and honoring those who are members of the military. Immediately following the service, we'll hold the annual business meeting. Everyone will break for lunch, then return for afternoon workshop sessions. For more information, visit www.acbohio.org slash c-o-n-v-e-n-t-i-o-n. Summary of 2020 Resolutions The following are brief summaries of the resolutions adopted by the ACB Board of Directors at its telephonic meeting on August 27, 2020. Two resolutions were withdrawn by their makers. 
Those were resolutions 2020-08 and 2020-09. They are not included in this compilation. Resolution 2020-13 was considered by the board, but did not pass. Please note that these summary statements are not the authoritative voice of the ACB Board of Directors. They are simply meant to capture the overall scope and intention of the resolutions. You can find the full text of resolutions at acb.org slash numerals 2020-RESOLUTIONS. Resolution 2020-01 directs ACB to work with the Advocacy Steering Committee to expand its advocacy efforts toward compliance with the ADA and Section 508 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973, as amended with respect to accessibility to website and other digital platforms, urges affiliates to engage in similar actions, and instructs ACB to lend its assistance to affiliates taking such advocacy efforts. Resolution 2020-02 instructs ACB to advocate for the inclusion of specialized services, including the use of assistive technology, learning Braille, orientation and mobility, cooking, cleaning and other activities of daily living, self-advocacy, and counseling for people with vision loss among the services reimbursable under the Older Americans Act, the Medicare and Medicaid programs, and other appropriate programs, and urges ACB's affiliates to seek funding sources in their states for non-vocational specialized services for people with vision loss. Resolution 2020-03 directs ACB, in conjunction with Blind LGBT Pride International, BPI, to commend NLS for its quick response and its commitment to full and equal access to LGBTQ materials, and instructs ACB to urge the library to continue to expand the number of fiction and nonfiction titles in the LGBTQ topic area, as well as to collaborate with members of BPI and ACB to select quality titles of interest to and that accurately represent the LGBTQ community. Resolution 2020-04 requests that ACB work in collaboration with the Braille Revival League and Library Users of America to urge the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled, NLS, to contract to produce Reader's Digest in Braille, and to urge NLS to implement the decision as soon as possible so that the gap between the September 2020 issue and the first issue produced by NLS is as small as possible. Resolution 2020-05 urges ACB to send letters to the head of the Administration on Community Living and the head of the Administration on Aging to express ACB's concern over the growing number of seniors who are experiencing vision loss and the lack of adequate home and community-based services available to this population. It also directs ACB to call upon these agencies to explore ways in which programs and services overseen by these entities can be better targeted to address the needs of the older blind population, and urges ACB's state and local affiliates to advocate with public and private agencies serving seniors under the Older Americans Act for the inclusion of specialized services for persons with vision loss in their senior programs. Resolution 202006 instructs ACB to demand that the United States Postal Service make all features of the USPS mobile app, including the informed delivery feature, accessible to people with disabilities, including users of screen readers, and directs ACB to provide guidance and testing with regards to accessibility of informed delivery.
Resolution 2020-07 directs that ACB support the right of students with visual disabilities to use the note-taking method of their choice, including the right to record classroom instruction and small group discussions for personal use in any situation in which a sighted student would take written notes, and urges state and local affiliates to advocate for the adoption of educational policies that ensure equal access to information for all students when working with school districts and special education entities. Resolution 2020-10 directs that ACB, in consultation with the Multicultural Affairs Committee, work with its state, local, and special interest affiliates in advocating for meaningful and comprehensive explicit and implicit bias training for law enforcement agencies nationwide, including specific training in the areas of visual disabilities, deafblindness, and people with cognitive disabilities who are also visually impaired also instructs ACB to support legislation that requires the tracking and reporting of law enforcement encounters with people with disabilities in general, and people with vision loss in particular, and collaborate with its state, local, and special interest affiliates as they identify and engage with other organizations and state and local governing bodies to design and implement comprehensive explicit and implicit bias training in law enforcement. Resolution 202011 directs ACB's Board of Directors and Staff, in consultation with the Multicultural Affairs Committee, to develop and implement a policy encouraging African Americans and other people of color to become involved in the leadership of this organization. Also instructs ACB to develop a mentoring program designed to seek out and elevate African Americans and other people of color into leadership positions including a provision for recruitment of members from the population of African Americans and other people of color who are blind or have low vision. Directs the Multicultural Affairs Committee to prepare a seminar to be presented at the 2021 D.C. leadership meetings on recruiting and mentoring of African Americans and other people of color, along with an article to be published in the ACB Braille Forum on recruiting and mentoring African Americans and other people of color who are blind or have low vision. Finally, this resolution instructs ACB to undertake an ACB census to better understand the diversity of this organization at all levels by February 1, 2021, and that collecting data on ACB's diversity be incorporated into the membership certification process moving forward. Resolution 202012 asks that ACB recognize the extreme importance of smartphone-based informational and wayfinding technologies, which provide independent access to transportation systems, government services, and public accommodations, especially during periods of public emergency. Directs the organization to encourage transit systems, government services, and public accommodations to supplement existing informational and wayfinding technologies through the deployment of technology-based accessibility tools and strategies as one means of providing access to the built environment for people who are blind or have low vision. Instructs ACB to call upon these systems to take affirmative steps to ensure equal information and wayfinding access are provided to individuals who do not or cannot now make use of these technology solutions, and urges ACB to support long-term investments in the development, testing, deployment, and maintenance of technology-based approaches that address informational and wayfinding access barriers, while ensuring equity for those who do not or cannot make use of these technology solutions. Notice of Proposed Settlement of Class Action and Fairness Hearing This notice has been approved by the United States District Court for the Eastern District of California.
Be advised of the preliminary approval of the settlement of a class action lawsuit brought by Valerie Brooks, the named plaintiff, against Pressed Juicery Incorporated, and does, as in John Doe, 1-10 Pressed Juicery. The named plaintiff, individually and on behalf of all members of the settlement classes, as defined below, alleges that, as individuals with visual impairments, they were denied equal access to or enjoyment of the Pressed Juicery's website, www.pressedjuicery.com, and defendant's corporate-sponsored blog, thechalkboardmag.com, collectively the website. Pressed Juicery denies the named plaintiff's allegations and denies any fault or wrongdoing whatsoever. Under the proposed settlement, Pressed Juicery will make certain changes to the website and mobile applications, as set forth in the Class Action Settlement Agreement and Release, in exchange for the settlement classes releasing claims regarding the accessibility of the website and mobile applications as it exists at the time of this settlement, or as it may be modified in accordance with the settlement agreement. A final approval and fairness hearing on the proposed settlement is scheduled for Friday, December 11, 2020, at 10 a.m. in the courtroom of the Honorable Kimberly J. Mueller, Chief Judge for the United States District Court for the Eastern District of California, Robert T. Matsui United States Courthouse, 501 I Street, Sacramento, California, 95814. Please read this notice carefully. It contains important information about your legal rights concerning the proposed settlement of this lawsuit. 1. Who are the members of the settlement classes? The court has preliminarily approved the following two settlement classes. 1. The nationwide class. All individuals who a. have a disability, as that term is defined under the Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA, 42 U.S.C. Section 12102, and similar state and local disability laws, and b. have accessed the website and mobile applications, and c. have been denied equal access as a result of their disability. 2. The California Class All individuals who a. have a disability as that term is defined under the ADA, 42 U.S.C. Section 12102, and similar state and local disability laws, and b. have accessed the website and mobile applications, and c. have been denied equal access as a result of their disability. 2. Under the settlement agreement, Pressed Juicery has agreed to make certain accessibility modifications to the website and mobile applications. Those changes include a. modifying the website and mobile applications to improve accessibility and to provide individuals with disabilities full and equal enjoyment of the goods, services, facilities, privileges, advantages, and accommodations offered through the website and mobile applications by having the website and mobile applications substantially usable by screen reader software for website and mobile application users in the future. Pressed Juicery shall use WCAG 2.0 Level AA as a guideline in making such improvements. B. Pressed Juicery can link to third-party websites and or include third-party content on the website and mobile applications, for example, any web content that is dictated or generated by a third party and is not owned, coded, managed, and or operated by the released parties, including, but not limited to, plugins, forms, PDF files, social media, and YouTube videos 
without being required to undertake, to complete remediation for, or to be responsible or liable for any form of third-party content that is incorporated into the website and mobile applications. 3. How could the settlement affect your legal rights? If Judge Mueller approves the proposed settlement, members of the classes will release all claims for discrimination and denial of equal access on the basis of disability arising from defendants' practices or procedures in connection with, or the condition of, the websites and mobile applications owned or operated by press juicery at the time of the court's final approval of the settlement, or as the websites and or mobile applications may be modified under the terms of the settlement. More specifically, the settlement agreement provides as follows. In consideration for the mutual promises and covenants set forth or referred to in this settlement agreement, the settlement classes and each of their respective members, executors, successors, heirs, assigns, administrators, agents, and representatives, collectively referred to as the releasing parties, releases the released parties from any and all claims, counterclaims, liabilities, obligations, demands, and actions of any and every kind or nature whatsoever, known or unknown, that the releasing parties may have against the released parties for discrimination and or denial of equal access to or enjoyment of any goods, services, facilities, privileges, advantages, or accommodations based upon a disability under the common law or any state, local, or federal statute, rule, or regulation arising from defendants' practices or procedures in connection with, or the condition of, the websites and mobile applications owned or operated by defendant. This release includes, but is not limited to, any and all claims that have arisen or might have arisen that could have been asserted in the action including claims in violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act, 42 U.S.C., Sections 1201 at SEC, the Unruh Civil Rights Act, California Civil Code, Sections 51 at SEC, the Disabled Persons Act, California Civil Code, Sections 54 at SEC, and any other state, local or federal statute, rule or regulation or common law that governs, addresses, or affects the rights of individuals with disabilities to gain equal or full access to or enjoyment of places of public accommodation or places open to the public. This release includes, but is not limited to, claims for class-wide injunctive or declaratory relief alleging a class-wide pattern and practice of disability-based discrimination in connection with or an unlawful disparate impact associated with access to or enjoyment of the defendant's website and mobile applications. This release includes any claims for damages, fines, or penalties in amounts statutorily authorized, including, as determined by reference to minimum or other prescribed amounts, for violations of the state disability statutes, but does not include claims for monetary damages, including, as they may be multiplied, in individualized amounts recoverable by a settlement class member that, under the state disability statutes or common law, are determined, not by reference to a minimum or other statutorily prescribed amount, but by the actual harm, loss, bodily injury, injury to property, emotional distress, or economic damage allegedly suffered by a class member. By way of example, this release includes claims for the $4,000 and $1,000 minimum damages authorized in California Civil Code Section 52A and Section 54.3, respectively.
This release is intended to bind all settlement classes and its members and to preclude such settlement classes and its members from asserting or initiating, either individually or through any third party, future claims with respect to the issues in this action or the subject matter of this settlement agreement. 4. What service payment is the named plaintiff seeking for the work she performed for the class? In recognition of the named plaintiff's role in prosecuting this action, class counsel has filed a motion for an award of a service enhancement payment of no more than $2,500 to be paid by press juicery, which motion shall be heard at the time of the final approval and fairness hearing. Class counsel shall file this motion within 14 days after the court enters the preliminary approval order. 5. What attorney's fees and what reimbursement of -of out-of-pocket costs are class counsel seeking? Class counsel is applying to the court to be paid attorney's fees and costs in the aggregate amount of no more than $35,000. 6. Requests for exclusion from the settlement. Any class member may opt out of the class by submitting a written request for exclusion with the settlement administrator at the address provided in response to paragraph 8 below. To be timely, a request for exclusion must be postmarked no later than Monday, October 26, 2020. Requests for exclusion must state at least the member of the settlement class's full name, address, and telephone number, a statement that the member of the settlement class's wishes to be excluded from the settlement, and the case name and case number. Every member of the settlement classes who does not timely and properly submit a request for exclusion from the settlement classes shall be bound by all proceedings, orders, and judgments in the class action. All members of the settlement classes agree that the satisfaction of all the released claims against the defendant, as well as entry of the final approval order, shall be binding upon all members of the settlement classes. 7. When and where will the final approval and fairness hearing take place? On September 16, 2020, Judge Mueller granted preliminary approval to the proposed settlement. After considering the comments and or objections received from members of the settlement class, if any, Judge Mueller will decide next whether or not to 1. Grant final approval of the settlement, 2. Grant class counsel's application for fees and costs, and 3. Award a service enhancement payment to the named plaintiff. A hearing will be held on Friday, December 11, 2020, at 10 a.m. in the courtroom of the Honorable Kimberly J. Mueller, Chief Judge for the United States District Court for the Eastern District of California, Robert T. Matsui United States Courthouse, 501 I Street, Sacramento, California, 95814. You may attend this hearing at your own expense, but are not obligated to do so. If you choose to attend, You may request an opportunity to speak or be heard, but the court is not required to allow it. You may retain an attorney at your own expense to represent you, but are not required to do so. If you intend to attend the fairness hearing, you must send a written notice of intent to appear to Wilshire Law Firm, 3055 Wilshire Boulevard, 12th Floor, Los Angeles, California, 90010, telephone 213-381. 9988. Your notice of intent to appear must include at least your name, address, and telephone number, a reference to the lawsuit, a statement that you intend to appear at the hearing, and must be postmarked no later than Monday, October 26, 2020. If you wish to speak or be heard during the hearing, you also must include this request in your notice of intent to appear. 8. How can you get more information? 
You can obtain a copy of the complete settlement agreement from the class council using the contact information listed below. You may also inspect the non-confidential parts of the case file in this lawsuit by going to the website of the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of California, www.paCER.gov, dated September 22, 2020. Attorneys for Defendant, Prest Juicery Incorporated, Arlene Klein, Esquire, Damian Delaney, Esquire, Zoe Bikas, Esquire, Ackerman, LLP. Attorneys for named plaintiff, Valerie Brooks. Bobby Sadian, Esquire. Tiago Coelho, Esquire, Wilshire Law Firm. Here and There, edited by Cynthia G. Hawkins. The announcement of products and services in this column does not represent an endorsement by the American Council of the Blind, its officers, or staff. Listings are free of charge for the benefit of our readers. The ACB Braille Forum cannot be held responsible for the reliability of the products and services mentioned. To submit items for this column, send a message to slovering at acb.org or phone the National Office at 1-800-424-8666 and leave a message in Sharon Lovering's mailbox. Information must be received at least two months ahead of publication date. Wildfire Destroys Southern Oregon ESD Office The Southern Oregon Education Service District, which provides accessible materials to blind students, lost their main office in the wildfires in Phoenix, Oregon. If you can contribute materials or funds, please send to Attention April Love, Southern Oregon ESD, 409 Northwest 3rd Street, Grants Pass, Oregon, 97526. Want to find an audio-described movie? ACB's Audio Description Project has made a new search function available where you can enter a title or part of a title, and the system will find the matches in a Master Audio Description AD list. The Master AD list contains over 4,300 titles. Looking for a particular movie? Search for it at www.acb.org ADP slash F-I-N-D-A- video.html Lighthouse Guild launches new podcast series. Lighthouse Guild's new podcast series, On Tech and Vision with Dr. Cal Roberts, the new president and CEO, provides information and insights about technological innovations that are removing barriers for people who are blind or visually impaired. The podcast is available online at lighthouse guild.org, and for downloading on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn.com. You can also find it on Twitter at LighthouseGLD, hashtag OnTechVision. GoodMaps announces breakthrough indoor positioning technology. GoodMaps Explore is an accessible indoor and outdoor wayfinding app that uses audio instructions and digital maps. It's now available at the Apple App Store. USABA names new CEO. The United States Association of Blind Athletes has chosen Molly Quinn as its first chief executive officer. Quinn comes to USABA from St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, where she served as the vice president, fitness and endurance partnerships. 
In her new role at USABA, Quinn will work with the board, staff, members, and other stakeholders to develop, implement, and achieve a new strategic plan to increase membership, expand programs, and develop new revenue streams, among other goals. New Test for Macular Degeneration Visible Genomics recently launched a new, non-invasive genetic eye test for age-related macular degeneration. AMD is one of the leading causes of irreversible vision loss in the U.S. For more information, visit visiblegenomics dot io slash or call one eight five five m y e y e s seven one eight five five six nine three nine three seven seven. Accessible Patterns Index. Calling all needle and loom knitters and crocheters. The Accessible Patterns Index has nearly 600 accessible patterns from 60 designers. Available at accessiblepatternsindex.com with more being added each week. Inspirational Stories of the Visually Challenged. Inspirational Stories of the Visually Challenged by Margaret Fowler Barnhart is now available in large print, ebook, and audio. The book is a collection of stories from 11 blind or visually impaired adults from the Tucson Society of the Blind and is available on Amazon. New from National Braille Press Good and Cheap Eat Well on $4 a Day by Leanne Brown is newly available in Braille, 3 volumes, or BRF. Created for people who have to watch every dollar, but particularly those living on the U.S. food stamp allotment of $4 a day, this cookbook is filled with more than 100 healthful, economical recipes, including spicy pulled pork, barley risotto with peas, vegetable jambalaya, and caramelized bananas. For more information, call National Braille Press at 1-800-548-7323 or visit tinyurl.com YDXLC numeral 3 SA ACB officers President Dan Spoon first term 2021 3924 Lake Mirage Boulevard Orlando Florida 32817-1554 First Vice President Mark Reichert first term 2021 1515 Jefferson Davis Highway, Apartment 622, Arlington, Virginia, 22202-3309. Second Vice President, Ray Campbell, First Term, 2021. 460 Rain Tree Court, Number 3K, Glen Ellen, Illinois, 60137. Secretary, Denise Colley, First Term, 2021. 1401 Northwest Lane, Southeast, Lacey, Washington, 98503. Treasurer, David Trott, Second Term, 2021. 1018 East Street South, Talladega, Alabama, 35160. Immediate Past President, Kim Charlson, 57 Grandview Avenue, Watertown, Massachusetts, 02472. ACB Board of Directors Jeff Bishop, Kirkland, Washington, 
first term, 2021. Donna Brown, Romney, West Virginia, partial term, 2021. Sarah Conrad, Madison, Wisconsin, second term, 2021. Dan Dillon, Hermitage, Tennessee, first term, 2021. Katie Frederick, Worthington, Ohio, second term, 2022. James Crott, Miami, Florida, first term, 2022. Doug Powell, Falls Church, Virginia, first term, 2021. Patrick Sheehan, Silver Spring, Maryland, second term, 2022. Michael Talley, Hueytown, Alabama, first term, 2022. Jeff Tom, Sacramento, California, first term, 2022. ACB Board of Publications. Debbie Lewis, Chair, Clarkston, Washington, second term, 2021. Paul Edwards, Miami, Florida, second term, 2021. Zelda Gebhard, Edgeley, North Dakota, partial term, 2021. Susan Glass, Saratoga, California, second term, 2021. Penny Reeder, Montgomery Village, Maryland, first term, 2021. Accessing your ACB Braille and eForums. The ACB eForum may be accessed by email on the ACB website via download from the webpage in Word, plain text, or Braille-ready file, or by phone at 518-906-1820. To subscribe to the email version, visit the ACB email lists page at www.acb.org. The ACB Braille Forum is available by mail in Braille, large print, NLS-style digital cartridge, and via email. It is also available to read or download from ACB's webpage and by phone, 518-906-1820. Subscribe to the podcast versions from your second-generation Victor Reader stream or from http colon slash slash www.acb.org slash bf slash.